Open your Bible to Psalm 22. Last week we looked at the theme of living without the life we wanted. And this week I want us to think about the theme of living without the support we think we need. Living without the support we think we need. Uh, think back just for a minute on learning to ride a bicycle. You remember how that went for you? If you were like me, at some point you scream out to uh, your dad or your mom or your brother or sister, whoever's helping you out, your best friend. And you say, why did you turn loose? You know, you know it's your fault I'm skinned up and cut my leg and all this stuff. Because, you know, you're holding the back of that seat and you're trying to keep somebody steady. Then why do you turn loose? At some point you turn loose because they outrun you. You can't keep up. You know, you have to turn loose. But other times you turn loose because you think, I think they got it. And you let them go. It's not that you forgot them. It's not that you don't care about them. But you turn them loose. You forsake the job of holding on. You forsake that person riding the bike so that you can make them stronger. So that you can teach them so you encourage them you got this you can do this and there's lots of times in life we forget that little necessary process that God often does that with us it's not that he's forgotten us but the scripture gives example after example of times when God forsakes us he turns us loose he lets us go to either fall or ride but to grow and to see our need of Him, but at the same time to see our responsibilities in life. There are times when we just don't feel like we have support. And yet sometimes it may just be that we are more loved, more cared for. Someone's more faithful to us when we don't feel the support than when we do. Let's look at Psalm 22. It starts off with this cry of, of Christ from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's the times when we feel that forsakenness of God, just like turning loose of the bicycle seat. Why did you forsake? Why did you turn loose of me? It's not that he didn't remember us or forget us, but it's because God has a greater plan. I want you to see kind of two themes all the way through this, this psalm. Man feeling forsaken, God being faithful. You just see both themes over and over. Man feels like he's forsaken, and yet God is constantly being faithful. First of all, let's think about the forsakenness that we feel. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groanings. Like, I'm crying out for help, but I don't feel like it's coming anytime soon. It just seems like it's far away. I know I need help, but where is it coming? Verse 2, oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer, and by night, but I have no rest. Now, let's just stop for a minute. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's, I think it might be important to notice that you can't feel forsaken by God until you've known God, the way the psalmist is talking about it. It's an important point. Do you know Him? After you know Him, after you've experienced the loving kindness of God, you feel Him holding you, 
That's when you have the cry of the psalmist. Then you feel like sometimes he turns you loose. So if you don't know him yet, the first step is to come to know Christ. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. As you know him, then there will be times that you'll feel like he is forsaking you. And those times uh, as we go through life are times of intense pain. But God just turns you loose. I've seen some people just really um, uh, cry out just with growing old. It's intense pain. It's like in your, somewhere in your 30s or 40s or 50s, most of you will experience your hair turn colors or your hair turn loose, weight gain, and you're like somebody has forsaken you. How did this happen? This is not my desire. Why is this happening to me? It's like, God, you gave me this wonderful body, and now it's just falling apart. Do you ever feel forsaken? Some of that is just, God says, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. It's natural for me to turn you loose and let you deteriorate at times. It's not that I don't care. I've got a resurrected body prepared. I love you more than you realize. Nothing but love is really coming your way. But there's times when we miss the bigger picture. God's more than love. God sometimes does turn us loose. I, I remember uh, talking with a friend one time. And he says, God is love and God is good all the time. And I understand the theology of that. But I said, that's not always my experience. I said, that's not the God I know. I said, the God I know sometimes gets mad at me. The God I know, it's a righteous anger. It's, 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 it's right for him to do so. But there's sometimes I don't feel him being so near and good and close. I feel at times forsaken. And as though I am the object of wrath. I know I'm not theologically, but sometimes I feel that. You don't? You don't sometimes feel like you are without his support and his care it's kind of like in times of discipline have you ever been spanked by your mom and dad i don't feel like they love me right now and yet they love you more than than perhaps other times for the parent who does not discipline his child does not love his child look at hebrews chapter 12 you think about the discipline of the lord Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 9. Many people spare the rod and just don't love their kids, but we don't have a God like that. We have a God who loves us dearly, and so He will discipline us. Verse 5, Hebrews 12, and you have forgotten the ex and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint. When you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges. Would you have used that word? Scourges every son whom he receives. This discipline is, is, is of a nature that scourging fits and fainting under the weight of it fits. Those are the words God's chosen. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father 
does not discipline. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? God disciplines us because he loves us. There's times I feel like I'm being scourged. There's times I feel like I'm going to faint. There's times I feel like he's not my friend. And yet, I look at it and I said, no, really, I respect God for the discipline. I respect him for turning me loose and letting me fall and faint and get weary because he loves me so. If he didn't do that, I wouldn't grow. I wouldn't be who I am without that kind of God. One other passage, Isaiah 59, is a great passage to think about the forsakenness at times of God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, His ears so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. There's times, because of our sin, we're going to feel darkness. We're going to feel separated from God. We're going to feel estranged. And God says that's intentional. Because if you have, at least once in your life, experienced the beauty and the wonder and the sweetness of the love of God, you're going to want it back. If you've tasted and you've seen how good God is, you're going to want it back. And that's going to force you to deal with sin. Lord, let me repent. Let me turn from my sin. Let me turn back to you. Because I need you so desperately. So God will turn us loose when we're going astray. To reap consequences of our sin so that we see the dire consequences and turn back to him. Some of that is the psalmist's cry. God, I feel forsaken and it is painful. Back in Psalm 22, verse 6. He says, I don't even feel like a man. He says, I, verse 6, I, but I am a worm and not a man. A reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me, mock me. They separate with the lip. They wag their head saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Yeah, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. People mock, say, well, I thought if, you know, you're a Christian. You wouldn't be going through bad stuff. Let God deliver you. You're so righteous. That's kind of the the language here. You feel, God, you're betraying me, and it's it's, it's messing up my witness. And the psalmist has that. It's it's, it's an unnormal feeling to feel betrayed uh, by someone you love. And he says, I I feel like I'm a worm, like somebody's just squashing me under their feet. I'm not even really being respected as a man. The pain goes on, verse 11. Uh, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there's none to help. It's like, I don't have anybody else, God. Uh, verse 12. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a raving and a roaring lion. And I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of 
death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look. They stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. That's a pretty uh, tough situation. He says, I am really wasting away here. I'm getting so close to death. It's like the, the dogs that will devour the flesh of a dead animal. Like a coyote or something just wild dogs are circling me gonna just eat me I, there's not much left though he says I'm I'm like skin and bones I can count my bones I'm, I'm I am so wasting away I'm not eating anymore I'm depressed and and I can look and see my ribs that's where I'm at and 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 my enemies they've got my clothing when your enemies have your clothing you, you're done I mean they they've got you that's where the psalmist feel he is at, completely forsaken, um, pains, no help, completely distressed. But there's good news. I skipped over the verses because I wanted you to feel the forsakenness part of this psalm. I skipped over the verses of God's faithfulness. Remember two themes, forsakenness, faithfulness. Now let's go back. Now that you've seen how forsaken he feels, let's go back and look at the faithful verses. Um, verses 1 and 2, forsaken. Verse 3 through 5, faithful. And yet, verse 3, yet you are holy. O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Think about that a minute. Some of your translations may be God inhabits the praises of his people. You've heard that phrase. This is where it comes from. Oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of his people. Um, you are holy. Verse 4, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. So here the psalmist goes back to somebody older than him. It says to his fathers. To people he has seen come and gather in the assembly of the saints for the purpose of giving God's praise. He says, God, when the saints praise you, you're there. You're there in their presence. You seem to dwell in the presence of the praise of God's people. He says, I've seen it over and over. They cry to you and you give answers. I feel forsaken. I need answers right now. Well, he remembers God is faithful. Oh, I'd love the people in our church, you've seen them, that come in with a walker or come in with a cane or come in in a wheelchair. They force themselves through the pain to be in the presence of God's people and give God praise. Because they, in their pain, know God is in the praise. And God is in this place. And we cry out in those times for answers. And God provides answer after answer through the praise of his people. The psalmist is doing that. God, I know I'm in forsaken, but I also know there's a faithfulness of my God that's seen in the praises of his people. So when I cry out in this place, in that time, there will be a demonstration of your faithful care. Well, it goes on. Verse uh, 6 through 8, forsaken. 
Verse 9 and 10, faithful. Verse 10, verse 9. Yet, again, it starts with yet. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breast. Upon you I was cast from birth, and you've been my God from my mother's womb. So he started by going to the older folks. Now he goes to his infancy. God, you not only have been faithful to people who've lived a lot longer than me, but you've been faithful to me since I was born. God makes babies, not sex. He says, you conceived me. You pushed me out of my mother's womb. You were there. You've known me before anyone else has known me. If there's anyone that knows me, you know me. And if there's anyone who's been faithful to sustain my life, my very existence is here because of you. So he declares again, God is faithful. Verses 11 through 18, forsaken. Verses 19 through 21, again, God is faithful. But you, remember each of these sections, yet, yet, now, but you, or yet you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You answer me. God is faithful. So all of those critters that were around him about to devour, he now sees God's faithful to handle all of that and take care of him. God is faithful. No, so no matter how, the, the, the point is, no matter how forsaken you feel this morning, if you feel like you do not have the support you need, if you're living without it, forsaken, don't miss the faithful. God is faithful. God can be for us, even when we feel these times of forsakenness. Uh, it reminded me of a story I heard some time ago of a soldier who came back from <clears throat> Vietnam, uh, badly injured. Um, he uh, was, you know, the, the superstar in high school, the, the quarterback, the handsome guy, the, the one with the wavy hair and, you know, just the hunk. You know, everybody just knew he was going somewhere big and fast and goes into the uh, war in Vietnam and he was in a shelter during some of the fighting, and it was bombed. And so the shelter not only was bombed, and he had to face the explosion and the injuries that come from that, but it also caught fire, and he was badly burned. And so um, after they did what they could on the battlefield, they sent him back to his hometown to continue reco- uh, recovering in the hospital. But he was greatly disfigured. You know, burned all of his hair, his ears off. He's got just kind of sockets for his eyes now. Um, that kind of burned victim. And as he's laying there in the hospital and people find that the, the, the war hero has, has come home, because he was so popular, various people you know, immediately wanted to go see him. Well, his best friend showed up first. Every, there was somebody, a nurse at the, the room, warning people of what they were about to see and that it would not be easy. Well, the best friend could not stay very long. He says, um, just want to say hey. And, you know, he, he left. Couldn't take it. Got sick. His mom and dad come. Same kind of experience. Like, this cannot be our son. 
And they just could not stay in his presence and left. And then his fiancée comes, and this was not, not her fiancée as far as she was concerned. And so she left. And as people were seeing, the nurses were seeing this experience time after time, uh, they were outside his door and uh, discussing that whole situation, and they could hear the soldiers sing. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise and forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Because in his arms, he'll take and he'll shield you. And you will find your solace there. Perhaps none of us have been as forsaken as that soldier. But as forsaken as we can get on this earth, we have a God who is faithful enough to give us solace, to give us peace, to give us rest. And that's what the psalmist experiences in his time of great pain. There's, you may be there where you just feel like, it's time I live without support. But God is there, and he is faithful. Well, the psalm goes on, verse 22 and follow. It just talks about a praise that we sing because we finally realize we are never, ever really unsupported in Christ. Uh, The praise begins, verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Again, you see that theme that I was talking about earlier. You go to the saints of old. They know the value of praising God. We don't come here to get stuff. We come here to give praise to God. And he says, that's what happens when you live long on earth. You realize, I'm here to praise Him. And that's what the psalmist does. In the midst of the assembly, um, I've already told my family, you know, when is it right to die? I say, when I, when I get in this condition where I can no longer be with the saints of God and give God praise, when I can no longer take of the communion meal, when I can no longer hear the preaching of the word, do I have ex- purpose to exist? See, these are the essentials. This is what we gather for. This is why we're on earth, to praise God, to remember Christ, to hear from God. And that's what the psalmist is saying. You know, all these things that are going on in my life, I've got what I need. So I will gather in the midst of the assembly, and I will praise you. Verse 23, you who fear the Lord, you do it too. You you embrace this with me. Verse 23, you who fear the Lord, praise him, all you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. That's why we exist. And stand in the awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. So the proclamation of praise, it's it's for every Christian life. If you are in Christ, what has he done for you? Remember Psalm 40, verse 3? He has put a new song in my heart. He set my feet upon a rock. He's established my path. That's what he's done for me. He's put a new song in my heart. When I was saved, my heart was changed. Now my passion, my desire is to praise him because I know My Redeemer lives. I know who He is, and I want to give Him thanks, you know, and praise. That's what it's about. 
All right. It goes on, verse 24. Um, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the affliction. Great news. As bad as my life looks, as burnt as I might look, he has not abhorred me. God still sees value in my redemption. That's good news. And can catch this, the last part of verse 24. Nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. I love those two words. He heard. Man, those are powerful. You cry to God, you pray, and God listens. Wow. He heard me. Do you ever just stop and revel in that? I just say the prayer, and God actually heard it. That's pretty cool. That's significant. The psalmist knows it. He hasn't turned his face. No matter how bad my condition is, he hasn't abhorred me. He still wants to look at me, still wants to smile at me. He still wants to listen to my language. Verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great assembly. Again, you see this emphasis. God, I'm going to praise you. I'm not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves, as is the habit of some, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to give you praise, because I know you, you desire it. Last part of verse 25, I shall pay my vows before those who fear me. I'm going to make my faith public. Do it right here. Verse 26, the afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Um, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down in the dust will bow before him. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity will serve him. I think you got both groups of people there. It's kind of confusing language. But I think he's, he's referring to both people who praise God because they want to. And then people who praise God before because they're forced to. There's people who, who don't have control. And, and all people, as it's been acknowledged already this morning, will acknowledge that Christ is king of kings. You will be forced to acknowledge that. Or you already acknowledge that because of your love for him. And it seems he's got growth, both people mentioned here. And there may even be a play on words in verse 29 when he says, All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. The prosperous literally in the, in the Hebrew is it's the fat ones. The play on words are, remember, he's the skinny one. Back up in um, verse 17, he says, I can see my bones, I'm so skinny. And so here we have, he's thinking about the people who, who've been mocking him and coming against him. And maybe they are, quote unquote, the, the, the prosperous ones at this point. Well, they're going to have to acknowledge the kingship of God. But he will acknowledge it in praise. So you have both. So are, are you acknowledging it because you want to praise him and thank him? Or are you acknowledging it because you just finally will get to the place in your death or in the pits of hell? You realize, Wow. Christ really is king. And we all have to bow down and acknowledge that. Well, verse 30. Posterity will serve him. I will be told uh, of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and they will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. So he knows there's more to come. There's another generation. 
There will be those who will praise God and those who do not. Uh, but David is convinced he will be one who praises God even in the midst of his pain. I hope that's where you are. That even if you're in a place where you just feel like I'm without support, you've begun to realize, but I have a faithful God. And I just can't keep from praising Him and thanking Him and giving my life to Him. It's why I'm here. It's why I exist. It's what I will be doing for eternity, acknowledging the sovereign creator God and giving Him praise. As a non-Christian, you'll be forced to. As a Christian, you get to. You get to. That's what I think every Sunday comes around. Lord, I get to go to church. I get to be with people you've purchased with your blood. I get to give you praise. I get to give you tithes and offerings. I get to use the gifts you've given me. What a joy to get to do what we have been chiefly created to do. That's the joy of the Christian, even in the midst of pain. Now, Psalm 22, I guess you noticed as we went through, was a psalm Christ liked. And it was a psalm that even points forward to Christ, because Christ chose this psalm, apparently, to use and to describe his condition on the cross. Um, so let's look at that just a minute. It's, it's too significant to, to read and not point out. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see that in Mark 15, verse 34. So I'm going to uh, look at each of these places real quick. Mark 15, verse 34. Jesus uses the same words while he was on the cross. And we see it here. It says, And the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbatani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, we know the answer. God turned Christ loose to wage war against sin and Satan so that he might receive us. So that Christ would pay the penalty and the debt for our sin so that we could be received. So the forsakenness that Christ endured, the being cut off and being in the dark from God's grace, Christ endured that for our salvation. Every Christian gets joy in hearing that Christ was forsaken because Christ was forsaken to put away sin. Well, back in Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8, also used by Christ, we find those recorded in Matthew 27, beginning at verse 29. Matthew 27. Verse 29. We read, And after twisting together a crown of thorns... They put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they knelt down before him and, to use Psalm 22 words, sneered him. Here it's translated, mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Of course, that continues even on the cross in verse 41. In the same way, the chief priest also, 
along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're the king of the Jews. You're king of kings. Really? <laughs> Doesn't look like it. That kind of mocking. Being forsaken not only of God, being forsaken by people. People not seeing your value. Seeing your significance. Christ endured that. If you think, well, nobody's seen the trouble I've seen. I hope you'll begin to see. Christ is showing us through his use of this psalm. Nope, I was there. Forsaken of God. I was there. Forsaken of all support from people. They added sneering and mocking to that. And then also um, in Psalm 22, verse 16, dogs have surrounded me, bands of evildoers, they've pierced my hands and my feet. You find that in John 20, verse 25. Again, Jesus still on the cross. And he uses this language again. Um, 20, verse 25. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then joined, rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Uh, why did Jesus show Thomas and his disciples his hands and his sides? I've been pierced. I was pierced on the cross. They nailed me. They pierced me in the side. Those were scars that Christ kept that he wanted us to see that He's been through it. People gather around to persecute him. And then also, you know, um, verse uh, 18, they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. You find that in John 19, 23 and 24. It says, the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his outer garments. And they made four parts, a part to each soldier. And, they also, and then also the tunic. Now, the tunic was seamless. Woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. To decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. What scripture? Psalm 22. They divided my outer garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. So Christ was stripped of his clothing. He had uh, two garments. He had an undergarment that was seamless. And then an outer garment, uh, like a robe. So they divide that up parcel out the cloth, and then one of them, uh, they gamble for the, the seamless piece. Christ says, they, I was in the hands of my enemies, and they had my clothes. That's how forsaken I was. And then they had, of course, the piercing and all of that. Well, then one other verse, verse 22, is Psalm uh, 22. Um, it's referred to in Hebrews 2. 9 through 13. Hebrews 2. Great passage. 9 through 13. Let me read it as well. It says, But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Think about just that bicycle illustration. It was necessary, basically God is saying, to turn loose. 
of God the Son. It was necessary to perfect the author of salvation through suffering, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, and here's these quotes from Psalm 22, I, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. You realize that? That's Jesus. Quoting Psalm 22, saying he likes to sing in church. Christ says, I will sing in the presence of the assembly. If you feel like your songs ever get dull, just realize Jesus is beside you singing too. He sings in the presence of his people. He gives God's praise. And again, verse 13, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, verse 14, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Well, at some point you just have to stop. I, I start reading the scripture and say, it's good, I just want to keep reading. But you, you get the point. Christ, using Psalm 22, says there's times when we live without support. But it is producing praise to God in the assembly. And it's for the purpose of victory. He says, I, I went through that forsakenness so that I could receive the sons of God. I, I took on flesh and blood so that I could give flesh and blood. So I could give my life a ransom for many. I took on all the enemies. I took on sin. I took on that. I, I took on forsakenness. I, I took on being turned loose so that I could redeem. God's right where you are. There's no more powerful passage, I don't think, that shares. God walks among us. He has be truly become like us. He was truly turned over to be lower than angels. He wasn't just an angelic being walking the earth. He was made to dwell much lower, like you and me, much more forsaken, like you and me, much more in pain, like you and me. And yet seeing the significance of being in the assembly and giving God praise because God, even in our pain, is always faithful to take care of us. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to Stop a moment and pray for the unsupported. For the brothers and the sisters, the fathers, the mothers, the children in this room right now that feel like they don't have the support they need. Father, there are times I suppose we all experience that. But some are experiencing it right now. And you know who they are. And they're crying out to you. And I pray for those two precious words he heard. Lord, hear their cross. Attend to their needs. Fill them with your love and your grace. Forgive them of their sins. And restore them to a life of praise and joy. May they be able to acknowledge they keep their vows in the presence of saints. And they give their praise because you're worthy. 
Thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace to us. Thank you for this psalm that leads us back to you in our time of need. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.